Hey everybody, uh, today I'm here with the great Ruben Gonzalez. Uh, and Ruben is his story is amazing. If you don't, if you haven't, uh, you'll you'll learn about it today. But it's I didn't actually know your story, and uh, uh, I got to meet you through email. This is the first time meeting you, so thank you, and very nice to meet you. Uh, well, we're not face to face, but screen to screen, I guess. Yeah, yeah, two dimensional. You look great. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's <laughs> it. Probably looked better if I wasn't even on the screen, you know. Um, <laughs> But, uh, well, we had an interesting morning so far because everything got messed up. And, uh, you know, these podcasts, a lot of them I do face to face. You know, we have people here in the in the studio. Um, and I like that a lot better because at least I have control over it. But with technology, you know, I mean, now I'm, I have no control over this. And I just hope that the, the technology works. Um, but I sent you a, a, a calendar invite and you're you're in Colorado, right? Yep. Colorado Springs. Yeah. Yeah. Colorado Springs. And so you're two hours difference uh, behind. And I looked at my calendar and it says 9 a.m. And I'm thinking, OK, I wonder if does that say 9 a.m. for for Ruben or is Ruben going to think it starts at seven? And, you know, because it's 11 my time, nine your time. Uh, and I feel so badly because you were saying what well, to say what you were saying. I got you up so early. this morning. <laughs> well, last night I was working till midnight uh, on this book that I'm co-writing with my son. And. And then before I went to bed, I thought, I better check if I have anything going on. And it showed that we had a 7 a.m. my time podcast. I thought, oh, my gosh. So I set the alarm for 6. And, oh. uh, you know, and I was ready. I mean, I was I was emailing you and texting you. And I thought, okay, I better double check here. And then I saw an email you sent me that said, you know, <laughs> it's two hours later. But you know yeah. what? Rather than go back to bed, I, I, I got a couple hours of work done. So that was good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, waking up is I mean, so I'm I'm a night owl. It's just the way I've always been. And uh, but my children just started school again. So um, I have an 11 year old and a 15 year old, and now I have to get up at 6:20 to get them to school. But it's really been nice because I get up, get them to school. I'm done with all of that by about 7:30. Then I'm like, oh, I can work out. I get my workout in the morning. You feel great. You know, and that I'm falling asleep around 10, which is probably much healthier than staying up till 12 or one in the morning. Um, so you're, you were mentioning a book with your son. Was this your fifth book? Sixth. I had to think. Sixth, sixth book. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. And what, what's, is this a, a leadership type of book or what? Kind what's of, the, yeah. Um, um, our son, Grayson, he's, uh, he's 17. He's, he just started his senior year in high school. And he wants to go to the Air Force Academy. He wants to be an aeronautical or mechanical engineer. And if you live in Colorado Springs, that's the worst place in the world to live uh, because uh, there's lots of kids out here that, that want to go to the Air Force Academy. It's here. And so uh, you have to get a pretty much have to get a congressional nomination. There's only about 10 of those to go. And there's about 400 kids trying to get it. And these are all top kids. Oh, geez. So, um, anyways. Uh, Grayson, when he was 10, he, he got into, uh, building airplanes and, um, model airplanes. And then that became RC. And then after he crashed a couple of, of RC planes, they're all like a hundred bucks a piece. I told him, Hey man, you're going to have to figure out a way to, <laughs> to pay for this. Cause I'm not, you know, and so, uh, he says, well, what do I do? And he was 10 and I pointed to my bookcases and he says, look, any any personal development book you read, 
I'll give you and you write me a, a report and it doesn't have to be fancy. You know, just give me a list of takeaways, right? Or, or quotes that you like. I just want to know what you learned. And um, I'll give you 10 bucks for each, each one you do. And over the next two years, he did 80 of them. And so <laughs> I know awesome. he's a speed reader. I didn't realize that when I made this deal. But, um, but he actually started, you know, he learned the principles of success and he, he started applying them. And, and so, um, so we put all these, uh, all of these uh, uh, reports together, cleaned them up a bit and, and co-wrote a book called Launchpad because it's going to launch his career in the Air Force, hopefully, right? Oh, very cool. Yeah. And so, uh, so it'll be out just in a few days because, uh, you know, we got to get him out to, uh, to the powers that be, right? Anyone that could. could could have anything Possibly. to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really impressive. And that's uh, from a father. And I was just having this conversation. I mean, parenthood is hard, right? And you say, what, what's the right message? How do we go, you know, navigate all these different waters that are coming our way and what's going on in our children's mind? But an $800 investment to say, hey, you just read 80 books um, that you're going to have that knowledge forever. And uh, one of your messages that I love is, is that. Um, apprentice type of message where you follow, you know, and we've lost that in our society where we had the the master and, you know, you took out, a, you go back through most of history, you followed somebody, you took a trade, you learned that trade, whether it be woodworking or metallurgy or whatever that could be, and you followed those footsteps until you became a master. Well, now we have so much information, it seems like, well, everybody wants to be the master, but they all think we can do it ourselves and yeah. we don't need anybody else. Well, so there's a lot of that message. YouTube that. videos and I'll be an expert, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's, that's really what people think, you know, and, and, uh, you know, no, you, you have to find somebody that's already done what you want to do, find that expert and then follow the leader, right? You have to, um, you, you just have to let go and, and apply what they teach you right away. Right. And, um, yeah. and then, you know, you start doing, you start doing that. That's the fastest way to reach your goals. You just find somebody following their footsteps because uh, you'll save time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what do you think the, and I want to get into your story. I didn't mean to start on this, but again, as I said before, it's just conversation. It goes where it goes. Um, what do you think that breakdown is in today's society or within the last probably, I'm going to guess, 50 years that that mentality has kind of eroded? Um, do you attribute that to anything societal that is going on the internet or, uh, you know, sometimes I think about parents and the messages that they give their, their kids today where it's, oh, you're so special and, you know, you're the best and you don't have to listen to anybody else. What's your perspective on that? Yeah, I think the internet has a lot to do with it because, uh, uh we're so used to really quick attention spans have, have, have condensed, right. Have shortened. Um, it's funny when you look at a, uh, I'll try to get my kids to get them excited about an old movie, right? That that I liked, right? Growing up from the '60s or the '70s, right? And I and, and I want to show them. Uh, I go and look up the um, the, the trailer. But the trailers back then were awful, right? <laughs> I mean, they didn't know how to sell. And now today's trailers, it's like every second there's a new scene. It's like pow, 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 right? And and that's what they're used to. And uh, yeah. boy, no attention span. No, what the movies them, the movies themselves are. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you look at a movie, and you look at an older movie. Now, I grew up in the '80s, but you had movies that were telling a story, um, and it could take you an hour to really get in. You know, you got the character development, and it's 
it's kind of moving slowly, but by the end, you're like, holy cow, my children will never get to that part because they're like, wait, we're 10 minutes and nothing's happened. No explosions. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> right. No explosions. <laughs> Nobody was killed. Nobody, you know, there's no mystery. And in the, that storytelling, I, I fear has been lost uh, or, you know, hopefully it comes back. But um, yeah, the attention spans are, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I, it's kind of sad and it's hard for these kids, I think, because, I, you know, it seems like they're the guinea pigs, you know, I mean, your son's 17. Um, this is the first generation that's really had to deal with this and how, you know, and I think about that with my kids, like, how are they? There's no there's no roadmap here. There's no information to say, here's what you need to do. They're just okay, this is what it is. Here's the internet. Here's your, you know, here's your iPad and good luck. Yeah, right, <laughs> and, right. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because um, yeah. I want to make sure to get this idea across. Um, when I posted online a few days ago that, you know, that, that we had this book coming out. Uh, oh, boy, it struck a chord with all the parents. Right. They, they just love the idea. And and one person, he asked me, well, what which books did he like the best? Which was a great question. And Wonderful question. It turns out the parable books, right? The little short ones, who moved the cheese and little story, right? That's got points, especially for a 10-year-old, 12-year-old. He loved those. He probably, 10 of the 80 were probably those. And then um, as his attention span started growing, the next level that he liked, um, uh, Pat Williams, the uh, general manager of the uh, Orlando Magic, he's written a ton of books, Pat Williams. And he does a lot of biographies. And what he does is at the end of every chapter, he unpacks the, uh, the learning points. It's not a, a normal biography. It's a, a biography that teaches you. And, um, and I always tell people, why don't you, he's got this one book called 21 Leaders by Pat, Pat Williams. He's probably got 50 books. But 21 wow. Leaders is great because every chapter is a different biography. It's a mini biography, right? And so you read that one and you might say, ooh, I mean, I really dig um, Mother Teresa, right? So now I'm going to read a full biography of hers, right? So, so that was oh. like the previews, and so, um, so that was like the next. Write that. What was that? What's that book called? Uh, Twenty One Leaders. Twenty One Leaders. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll write it down. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pull it out here. Make sure that I'm giving you the whole, the whole thing. Let me see. Well, I don't see it. Oh well. Your son. Your yeah, son probably stole leaders. it. Pat Williams. You'll find him. Pat Williams. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure uh, your dad knows him because uh, Pat Williams is a speaker too, and he's been around forever. And uh, okay, really good guy. He's actually the guy that brought. He sold Orlando on the idea of bringing it, of having the Orlando Magic. So he's been around oh, for a while. He's been around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, Pat Williams. All right, I got that done because that sounds fascinating. Yeah. Uh, trying to get my kids, you know, to stay focused. Yeah, I, I tell people, you know, because I love to read, okay, <laughs> but most people don't. And so I tell people, well, just go, you know, go to the kids section, go to the kids section in the library and, and, and pull out the, the, the biographies of the, you know, the ones that, that you like. Maybe it's Mario Andretti, maybe it's A.J. Foyt. I don't know if you're into racing and, and just pull those and you can, you know, you could read 15 of them in a couple of hours in the library. And then you realize, hey, I really want to learn more about this guy. Right. And now you get the real yeah. guy. Yeah, baby stuff. So you're so, I mean, you, you seem so busy and I know I'm busy and I used to read all the time. I mean, read an actual book, you know, I mean, I still read all the time, but it's news or, you know, 
in my industry, which we don't talk about on the show, um, there's a lot of reading, but it's always snippets. It's analytics. It's all kinds of things. But, um, but I find myself that I, you know, by the end of the day, you know, having that hour where I used to open a book and read, I just don't have it anymore. Yeah. You know, so the last time I actually read for fun was at the beach this year, which was the first time in probably years that I actually finished a whole book, um, <laughs> you know, an actual paper book. And it was it was just so, so great to uh, have that paper in your hand. Um, but do, do you read every day? Do you make sure you you, you put a, t- a set time or it's it's not a goal? Okay, I don't watch much TV, so that frees up a yeah. lot of time. Um, yeah. But for me, you know, everybody's different. But what works for me is at night, you know, for, when I'm going to go to bed, uh, I'll just, I have all the books, you know, on the, on the bedside table. I'll just pick up a book and I don't have the phone there. Or I try not to because that's the last thing you want to do, right? You, you, want, you don't want to overstimulate your brain before you go to bed. But, uh, you know, you read 15, 20 minutes and then you put it away. And so, yep. um, and I don't just read. I, I love um, uh, personal development books. I've always have. The how to's, but uh, I also read uh, novels. Okay, I enjoy novels, and yeah. I just found something out recently. And you know, I, I thought novels, I wasn't learning anything, but actually, reading novels is really good for EQ because you're learning how different personalities uh, interact, and and uh, you know, you're it's like an EQ lesson, and and you're being entertained by by reading that novel. Absolutely. I mean, there's a value to, I mean, reading whatever you can read. Uh, I think it's becoming a lost, uh, it's not an art, but uh, certainly a, a lost pastime because uh, most people, you know, jump in bed on their phone and I'm, hey, listen, I, uh, I'm i a culprit, um, but I'm trying not to, you know, put the phone down at least uh, at least 20 minutes. I'd like to get an hour, <laughs> but that's my time where, you know, I don't watch TV either. And it's, uh, the only time I watch TV Fridays nights and Saturday nights, I have a couple of shows uh-huh. I try to catch up on. Um, but <laughs> jump in bed and it's like, okay, what I, I did all my reading for the day for for my industry, and now it's what's going on in the news, what's happening, current events. Yeah. Um, and that's where I catch up on it. But it's uh, what again, are your it's Friday show. What's that? What are your Friday oh the Friday shows? shows? Um, well, recently I have. Uh, there's a show on Hulu called Only Murders in the Building, which is a podcast show. It's okay. it's a uh, Steve Martin, um, uh, Martin Short, and uh, which two classics, right? Yeah. You know, there's it's just a fun uh, for me. It's a fun show. Um, I try my Friday and Saturday shows are like just the mindless. I just unwind for the week. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there was a I don't know if you have Apple TV, the um, streaming service. What do you? But there was a like show, there. Uh, there's a show called that. It was a mini series. I don't know if they're doing another series, but maybe there was ten episodes called Blackbird. Blackbird and it okay. Blackbird. Um, and uh, oh, who's who, uh, Ray Liotta? I think it was Ray Liotta's last oh. last part. Who uh, you know, Ray Liotta, another classic. I mean, he's so good. Yeah. But that show was I, I really enjoyed that. I binged oh. that one, which I rarely binge anything. Cool. Um, cool. What about you? Do you catch up on any shows? I love Blue Blood. <laughs> I love that show. I, I've never watched it, but I hear that it's oh, great. It's yes, excellent. <laughs> it's excellent, and um, they—they're um, just a bunch of Catholic cops, right? Like three generations of them, or and and the best part of the show 
is they have their Sunday lunch, right? It, it, the only the only excuse for missing Sunday lunch is you're dead. Okay. I mean, <laughs> and That's so the way, yeah. they, they, they discuss at the table are great. The interaction and, uh, Oh, you gotta, you gotta see it. It's an amazing. Yeah, I gotta check show. it out. I've heard great things about it. Oh, yeah. And I just, is that it? Okay. Yeah. The, uh, attention span thing is interesting because I think Netflix did this for me where they just dropped the whole season at once, right? On Netflix. So if you have a T and you can, um, watch, you know, binge watch it, binge watch it. Yeah. Yeah. But where they used to have, and I know some services still do that. They had the one a week, right? You know, one episode on a Friday and uh -huh. whatever. Yeah. Um, I find that I'm always half paying attention. So if it's, if it's a week later, I'm going, wait, who did, who's this person? I don't remember <laughs> them. And I, I, I gotta go back and watch it. Like, oh man. <laughs> but, um, but uh, but I wanted to talk to you also. I mean, your story is amazing, and what we didn't talk about is who you are, right? And um, I again, as I said, I didn't really know who you are. Sort of looking at your story, and you're an Olympic uh, athlete, uh, four four time Olympic athlete, correct? Yeah, yeah. In in likely one of the craziest sports <laughs> that is the luge. Yeah. Um, and I've watched, I don't know how many luge races and do you call them races? I don't know what you call them. Yeah, Root yeah, runs. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's either a world cup, a European cup, but you know, it's, it's a race. It's a luge race. It's a race. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and crashes and my <laughs> gosh. Um, but you didn't start till much later in life compared to other people that typically st uh, start in that sport. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, most kids uh, that do the luge, they start when they're eight, nine, 10 years old. And it's about a 10 year process. They start you. Most tracks have 15, 16 curves. Uh, they're about three quarters of a mile long. And when you're going from men's men's startup at the top, you're it's about a minute long run. Um, most tracks are about 75 miles an hour. Uh, a couple of them are 90 and uh, you're pulling six G's on some of the curves. I mean, it's brutal. Uh, out of uh, bobsled, luge, and skeleton, uh, skeleton's head first and luge is uh, feet first. And so- Oh, uh, head first only. Yeah, but um, ours is, accounts for 70% of the, of the injuries out of all three. It's the hardest one because it's counterintuitive. It's a mess. It's all, it's all, it's all messed up. But um, yeah, uh, most kids, they start when they're eight, nine, 10 years old. And they're going from junior start, which is lower, and um, they have until the when they turn 19. Now they're they have to start going from from their the senior start, right? So there's a, so I started when I was 21, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, and so well, I uh, always had the Olympic dream ever since I was a little kid. I saw the Olympics when I was 10, and I was hooked. I thought that's what I want to do, and. Um, but I'm a, I'm an unlikely Olympian because I'm not a great athlete. I'm a slowpoke. Okay, I, I mean I was always the last kid picked for PE in school. It was, it was terrible, and so I see the Olympics and I was ten. And I get all excited, but I didn't believe. You know, if I'm not getting picked for PE or for kickball, I'm gonna be in the Olympics. Give me a break. So so I didn't do anything. I just talked about it. I was really fascinated. I was drawn to the athletes, and what drew me to them, uh, believe it or not, wasn't their their athleticism. It was their spirit, right? Because I, I realized, man, this is a, 
a group of people that have a dream. They're willing to train for all these years with no guarantees. And then some of them make it. I thought you got to be so, I put them up on a pedestal. They were my heroes. I just want to yeah. be one of them. I want to be in the club. It was never about the medals for me either, which is crazy, but I just want to be one of those guys. And so, um, so I didn't do anything. I just talked about it. My dad got fed up. He's a, my dad was a chemical engineer and very analytical. And uh, after a couple of years, he said, Ruben, you like to read books, you know, because I always read adventure books. And uh, why don't you read some biographies? You'll study the lives of great people. You'll figure out what works, what doesn't work in life. The success leaves clues, right? You can learn from them. And so I started reading them and I liked them right away because, uh, you know, uh, they were true life adventures. Then I started looking for, well, what's one thing that every, everybody's got in, in common? Maybe I can work on that one thing. And I kept seeing perseverance, tenacity, right? There were a bunch of hardheads. And my mom always called me a hardhead. So I thought, hey, maybe I got what it takes, right? And so at 12 years old, I, I made a decision that changed my life. And uh, success is a decision. You know, sooner or later, you, you decide you're, you're willing to do whatever it takes. And I just decided from today on, Ruben doesn't quit anything. That's it, right? Because quitting's the end of the dream and mm -hmm. persevering. At least you're still in the game. You got a shot, right? No guarantees, but you're still in it. And uh, by high school, my nickname was Bulldog. Kids started calling me Bulldog because I was tenacious. And, yeah. um, and the other thing my dad always said was the books you read, the people you hang around with. He says, you want to hang around people yeah. that, that have already done what you want to do. Uh, he said, if you want to cross a minefield, you know, best thing to do is find somebody who's already crossed it, right? And just follow in their footsteps. And so, so uh, I didn't know it. But by reading these books and hanging around winners, I was growing, right? I was, I was growing from the inside out. And I was taking bigger risks and taking more chances. And life started getting more interesting. And, and um, in college, uh, I played soccer all my life. And I was born in Argentina. We came to the States when I was six. And I played soccer all my life. And I'm pretty good with a soccer ball, but I'm a slowpoke. So the other guy gets the ball first. I was always still on the bench. It was very frustrating. <laughs> but, <laughs> But I found out that Houston Baptist University had an NCAA Division I soccer team. And I found out there's a day you could try out. There was one spot, one tryout spot. I tried out, made the team, got a scholarship. Wow. Yeah, scholarship. I mean, my dad got excited about the scholarship part. And oh, uh, of course. And now that I got, you know, college age kids, I, I know why he got excited. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm on the team, right? And I'm, boy, an overnight jock. I mean, I'm, I didn't even play sports in, in high school. And a um, couple of weeks in, coach at practice, he says, uh, Ruben, after practice, come come to my office. Uh, I got to uh -oh. talk to you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I go to his office, close the door, sit down. He says, obviously, you had an incredible day a couple of weeks ago and you tried out because you're really not that good. <laughs> oh, man. You're too slow, man. Uh, you're, you're holding us back. The new rule around here is you get to play only if we're winning by two goals you're a threat to our own team that's what he said right oh that's harsh Jeez. yeah i know he was a real motivator <laughs> so, <laughs> right but um i didn't even get you know my new dream in life overnight was don't get cut all right i'm gonna do whatever it takes to continue being part of the team and i became the rudy of the team right uh i mean i just i realized okay maybe i'm not too valuable on the field but i can be valuable off the field and uh, I always liked marketing, so I started making little posters, you know, about the soccer team, when team you know, picture of a soccer player, and maybe uh, you know what when our next game is. And people started trickling in and watching our games, and a booster club was formed, and 
uh, man, if they needed to mow the lawn, I'd mow the lawn. I'd wash the soccer balls. I figured if this guy, if, 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 if this guy cuts me from the team, he's going to have to hire three guys to replace me. And, Perfect. Yep. Yeah. And, and I was on the team and I was on a traveling squad and I played five minutes a game, but I was on a team. And yeah. when I was 21, I'm watching the Olympics again. I'm watching them on TV and it's the 1984 Sarajevo Winter Olympic Games. And uh, I see Scott Hamilton win the gold medal in figure skating. Yeah. Right. And he's about five feet tall, you know, 110 pounds soaking wet. He gave me hope. I mean, when I saw Scott Hamilton, everything changed. Okay. I, I thought if that little guy can win, I can at least play. I'm going to be in the next Olympics. It's a done deal. I just got to find a sport. <laughs> but see, I wrote a book. My first book is called uh, The Courage to Succeed. And I believe that no matter what your goal is, you got to have two types of courage. You got to have the courage to get started, and everything's hard in the beginning because you don't have any skills so you have to stay yep. in the game long enough to learn those skills and then you use the skills to reach the goal of the dream and so you need the courage to get started and then the courage to not quit courage to get started that comes from believing it's possible right you believe it's possible hey i'll give it a shot right well uh, the courage to not quit comes from desire you want it badly enough ain't nothing gonna make you quit right well i always had mm -hmm. the desire but i didn't have the belief now i see scott hamilton i got the belief i'm ready to take action and so I went to the library. I got to find me a sport. I looked at the list of the summer sports first, and it took me five minutes to realize you got to be Superman to do this. There's no way. All right. <laughs> and then I started looking at the list of the winter sports, and I thought, I'm going to, you know, I'm about to put together a plan for the next four years. It probably would make sense to base the plan on my strengths, right? My strengths, not athleticism, my strengths, perseverance. I'm bulldog, right? Uh, that's my superpower. And so I thought I need to find a sport with a lot of broken bones. Maybe it'd be a lot of quitters. And then I'll, I'll just ride the attrition rate all the way to the top because I ain't quitting. And so I, that's how I picked the luge. And um, I didn't even know where the track was. I wrote Sports Illustrated a letter. I asked them, where do you go learn how to luge? <laughs> and they, they actually wrote back. They said, Lake Placid, New York. That's where the track is. So I called him up. I said, I'm an athlete in Houston. I want to learn how to lose. So I'm going to be in the Olympics in four years. And the guy goes, how old are you? I said, 21. And he started laughing. He says, forget it, man. You're too old. You know, you, sh you should have 10 years experience at your age. There's no way. And I didn't know what to do. Uh, the only thing I knew was hanging up is not an option, right? That would have been the end of everything. So I just kept talking to him. And finally, he gets fed up and he says, um, ah, we got a beginner's camp coming up in a few weeks. Be there, right? But before you come, you need to know two things. Number one, if you want to do it at your age, if you want to do it in just four years, we're going to have to cram 10 years of learning into just two years because the last two years, you got to be competing against the best in the world, in the World Cup circuit, to try to get enough World Cup points to be the top 50. Top 50 get to go, 51 watches on TV. Okay, great. Now, when he said that, I actually started smiling, right? I thought this works right into my plan. This is awesome. Because <laughs> nine out of 10 people quit. And so what's the second thing? He says, expect to break some bones, right? And I said, great. <laughs> and he got real quiet. He goes, what's wrong with you, man? I just told you you're going to break some bones. And I told him, look, I hope it's 10 times harder what you're telling me, okay? Because I'm not a quitter, all right? And so, so he hangs up on me, right? He goes, all right, Hoss, let's see what you can do. Blah, hangs up. And I went. And they put me in this class with 15 other guys, and I'm starting to learn. You know, first it was on wheels, and just a couple of months after I saw Scott, uh, Scott Hamilton, I'm in Lake Placid learning how to luge on wheels. And then 
that next winter, you know, we're on ice. And the first two years were brutal. I mean, broke my foot twice, my, my knee, my elbow, my hand, my thumb, a couple of ribs. But I just kept coming back. And, um, and then the next two years, it was a different struggle, right? Because um, imagine, you know, you're a beginner loser. I mean, there's two years. I mean, you're right. It's, it's like a kid that's got his driver's permit, right? 16-year-old right. kid. That's how good a loser driver I was, right? And imagine they take that kid and they stick him in this room and he starts looking around and, and there's Mario Andretti and here's A.J. Foyt and here's Al Unser. And, what am I doing here? He says, well, you're racing Indy 500. You're, in 10 minutes, you'll be out there. He says, ah, I don't belong here. <laughs> and that's how I felt when I was in, you know, in the circuit the first yeah. couple of years. I hadn't paid the price yet. So it was, right. that was psychological. I mean, that's where most people would quit. I mean, if, if they even got to that point. You know, and you talk about per- perseverance and the most of most people don't have perseverance because it's it's so easy. It's easier to quit in 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 failing is different than quitting. Right. Okay. You know, yeah. I, I fail all the time. Everything I do, I fail at. I you know, and I just keep doing it in with some insane belief that it will work out. I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's genetic. I don't know what it is. Um but it's just like this show. I, I mean, I, I just started it. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, <laughs> the reality is like, okay, let's reach out to some people. Do you guys want to talk? Let's talk about things that I know about that I'm interested about business and um, just interesting people. And, you know, just trying to figure it out or a career or whatever a person's career is. But you have so many people along the way. You were talking about your coach. It's like, Ruben, you're not, you're not good enough to be on this team. Well, most people are going to take that and say, you know what? You're right. I am, I am too slow. Uh, let me pack my bags and, and, and keep going. So there, there's that interesting difference. And, and, and you've read this in probably every success book, you know, or leadership book. Um, and, you, and if you pay attention to those things, you see it all the time. It's, it's the people that just continue on and don't, don't quit. You're going to fail and fail and fail, try to fail forward, that whole thing, and just keep moving. Um, and I don't really know where that comes from. I don't know if that's a taught uh, trait or if that is genetics of some sort or it's pre-wired into our brains to say, you know what, uh, I'm just going to keep on. And you have all these naysayers. I don't. How about your family? When you say to your family, hey, I'm going to go be a luge, were they supportive? Were they like, yeah, Ruben, yeah, yeah of were. course you can be a Oh, that's yeah. See, every that's harebrained idea I always had, my 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 dad always supported me. Uh, yeah, and I've always tried to do the same, right, with my kids. And um, uh, so that's huge, right? Having that environment, because if you, you know, if if your parents are saying you can't do it, like they did to Rudy, right, where that they yeah. that 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 boy, that's tougher, much tougher. Um, yeah. So. They never saw me lose. They were always afraid I was going to get hurt, and they'd, they'd wait till I brought the videotape afterwards. And so, um, but we homeschooled our kids, and um, okay. from day one, and and it wasn't about the education. It was because we wanted to control the values, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Granted, one on one, you're probably going to get a decent education compared to you know one on thirty, and when half the time you're just trying to do riot control because that's what are stuck doing and yep. 
And so ever since the, and I say we homeschooled them, but my, my wife homeschooled them, right? I, I support the school. And uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm PE and attitude. That's what I teach. And ever since Perfect. they were little, I mean, real little, like five years old, six years old, uh, I tell them, hey, look, life is tough, okay? It's going to knock you down. You're going to have bloody knees, okay? You're going to be crying. But you know what you're going to do? You know, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and get back in the game because that's what we do around here. We're not quitters. We're, we're bulldogs, okay? We're no chihuahuas in our house. <laughs> and so, um, and I would always say, you know, basically the only rules that I cared about is you don't quit and you don't whine, okay? I, I, I don't want to hear excuses. Right. You just get me mad. You know, that's the mm -hmm. last thing you want to do. And both of them are uh, tough, you know? And so I can't tell you if it's genetic or if it's environment or it's a combination, but... But uh, both of our kids are mentally tough, right? Because I've made them mentally tough. Um, our son, Grayson, uh, the one I was talking to you about before. When we moved to Colorado Springs from Houston, he was six and his, uh, his sister, Gabriella, she was 10. And uh, uh, we have the Air Force Academy here and we also have the U.S. Olympic Training Center here in Colorado Springs. And one day every summer they have like an open house at the olympic training center and it's where it's they're they're trying to every sport is trying to sell themselves to little kids right and uh so the kids are getting to try all different things and uh, that's where you get them young and then hopefully you know if one of them will stick around for 10 15 20 years maybe that'll be a medalist in the future right that's where that's where it starts and yep. so we went just grayson and i and uh we looked at everything nothing really caught his fancy. And then we walk into this dojo and there's this guy, all, you know, the black belt uh, judo guy, right? And there's mats and stuff. And uh, we walk down the stairs and he locks eyes on Grayson and they're both preemies. So they're little, they're short for their age. And he says, okay. you come over here. And Grayson walks up and he has them stand in front of him where they're both facing the same direction. He says, grab my arm and pull across, or across your body and push down like with your body, kind of like you're doing a push-up, right? And so he pulled, and the guy, basically, he just did a flip over the top of him, right? But Grayson thought that he flipped him, right? He turns around, and, and he looks at me. He goes, Dad, I want to do judo, right? <laughs> so that's a judo technique. That's how they sell him on the program. Right. <laughs> so then we uh, we go back home and he talks his sister into coming too, and it's the U.S. Uh, the Olympic Training uh, Center Judo Club, okay, where the U.S. Uh, national team is there training them sometimes, and the U.S. coach. I mean, it's a great environment, right? That's awesome, and, yeah. And we'd go there for you know, twice a week, and for seven years they were they were in this program. And when we first went, the coach, who was the first American to win a judo medal, uh, uh, for the u.s right and he won a bronze in los angeles olympics he's the coach he says hey ruben you know we're gonna have to manage grayson's uh, expectations because girls they uh, mature faster and she's already you know his sister's already four years older so um it's gonna be hard on him okay was, no problem coach whatever you say it goes right so gabby gabriella she had this little shimmy move she'd do she'd throw the, her her competitor off balance and she's winning medals left and right every three months there's like a competition against other dojos and she's just racking up the medals grayson was clueless right i mean the first six tournaments so that's about a year and a half he didn't win a single bout okay 
And and I would, you know, but I kept telling them, you know, well, I, sometimes I'd make fun, right? I'd say, hey, man, you know what the ceiling of every dojo in Colorado looks like. You're laying on your back all the time. <laughs> but, but don't worry, buddy. You're growing. You're growing on the you inside. Don't quit on me. You'll pop up one of these days. And before the, right before the seventh tournament, coach, he says, you know what? We're, we're probably going to see something good. He's starting to get it. And he wins this gold medal in the, in, in the, on the seventh tournament. And he brings it to him and he's all proud, you know. All so proud. And I told him, yeah, 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 metal's nice. But you know what I'm proud of? I'm proud that you didn't quit for a year and a half, right? That's what you, that attitude, you put that into anything in your life, you're going to be a super champion because that's what winners do. And so yep. you always reinforce that, right? You reinforce, um, you know, uh, I never tell them uh, uh, you're so smart or you're you're so pretty or so you're so handsome or you're so fast no i always tell them you're such a hard worker man you're always out working the competition that's why you so they that's their self-image that i outwork i apply myself i'm a you know that's what i do and and over a period of time you know it, it becomes their their way yeah and it's huge i mean coming from a parent um you know and we've you know we have this very interesting society where you know, a lot of parents that you hear, it's, oh, you, you know, you're special. And yeah, okay, everybody's special and you're human. You made it, you're alive. That's special, right? But uh, you can be whatever you want to be just, you know, and but you don't have to put in the work. You can kind of just sit on the TV and then one day you're going to be a YouTube star or you're going to, you know, whatever this. Uh, and it's like, no, no, no. All of that's garbage. What's what what we're teaching, a lot of people are teaching children today. Um, and, and, I'm by far not a perfect parent. I try to be the best parent I can and try to motivate the kids to be the best that they can. Cause that's what my dad always said. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not really winning or losing. It's just, you know, did you go out and do it and did yeah. you continue to do, do it? Your right? right. Do your best, be the best that you can be. Um, but that doesn't mean you're going to be the best at whatever it is you're going to do. You're just yeah. going to be the best that you can be. Oh. So, um, go ahead. When I'm training for an Olympics, uh, it's funny. Three months before the Salt Lake City Olympics, okay, my third one, somebody asked me because you you know you speak and then you do some Q and A and somebody asks, uh, are you, so you're gonna uh, are you gonna win a gold medal, right? And I laugh, right? I says, man, I'll be happy to make the cover of AARP, okay? And, uh, <laughs> and he goes, I don't even know, and, and uh, you know, I don't even know if I'm gonna make it. Okay. All I can control is what I do, right? I can't, I don't mm -hmm. know what the competition's doing, and only the top fifty make it, right? And so, the uh, right now I feel it's fifty-fifty, but I'm gonna do everything I can to the last minute because if either way, I don't want to have any regrets, right? And, and so, right now we're working on this campaign for Grayson to hopefully, you know, make it to the Air Force Academy. But I told him, look, you're you're going against really lots of tough competition. So we're working to not have a regret afterwards. Afterwards, yep. well, you know, after the chips fall, we want to feel good about ourselves either way, right? And whether you win or lose, it's about the person you became. We're digging deep inside. We're finding things about our, us we didn't even know before uh, because we're having to dig deep inside. And so, you know, that's the thing. That's all we can control. So. Yep. Process. And it's a, it, it, it's a huge message message. Um, cause you, you know, we're kind of taught success, you know, the word success. 
uh, when somebody says, oh, that person is successful, they normally mean monetarily, right? Because mm -hmm. that's all they see, which I think is garbage. Um, I think successful life, there's, hey, listen, there's some part of having some kind of money to survive and, you know, and have some freedom there. Um, but just having the biggest bank account, I don't believe makes you a successful person necessarily. It doesn't mean you're not successful in life, but parenting, um, you know, there's so much more that goes into life, but those shiny things that we're almost taught to, to go after. So, you know, in business, which I'm in, it's a lot of that is how much money can I get? Can I get this deal? How, how much, how much can I make off of this deal? What's the commission or the, you know, <coughs> payday? Um, and when I was looking at your story and kind of what you were just talking about, um, you know, if you were focused on, can I get the gold? You know, you, you're not focused on what you're doing right now. And, and I think one of the things that I'm paraphrasing that your coach had said to you once, uh, I, I think you talked about this in your Ted talk was you were focused on speed and he was saying, Ruben, no, uh, you're focused on the wrong thing. It's not about speed. It's about, did you win? You know, it's about the time, not the speed, yeah. uh, which I took to heart. And it's like, okay, the speed was the shiny thing that you're chasing. And it's, you know, no, no, don't, don't chase this shiny thing. Just focus on what you need to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's a huge lesson in life, especially for people that are all about, well, how much money do you have? And here's my big house, or here's my shiny car or my new watch, or, you know, none of that really matters. Just focus on where you are right now you are, and how you can do. you be a better yeah. person? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I, when I would speak to uh, high schools, uh, sometimes, you know, uh, we get to talking about goal setting. I'll tell them, look, if your goal, you go to a pizza place, your goal is to eat that whole pizza and you polish it off. Guess what? You were successful, right? Cause you achieved your goal. If you're on a diet, and you go meet your friends there, but your goal is not to have a single slice and you didn't eat any pizza. You just had a Diet Coke or a water. You were successful, right? Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> because you reached your goal. And um, another thing I tell them, it's funny, this is a totally different thing in the pizza place. Just remember. <clears throat> I, was, I would try to drive home the point that, look, education, okay? Your education, how well you do. Um, it's going to determine, you know, whether you make money or not. All right. Cause everybody wants Q and A's. They always ask it's crazy. This is, I think it's not good, but uh, in middle schools and high schools, one of the first questions I get from a Q and A after a talk is, are you famous or are you a celebrity? They think that's cool. Really? Man, I don't want to be, yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather make celebrity dollars, but be uh, under under the radar or where I can absolutely, go. yeah. You know, I, I got my life right. <laughs> I don't have to deal with paparazzi. And so I'll tell them, look, when you go to a to, to the pizza place, right, and you're looking at the menu up there, if all you have is a dollar, right, that limits what you can have, limits your choices, right, limits your options. You can only have that, you know, maybe half a uh, one slice of pizza, right, cheese, that's it, right, or one drink. If you have $5, now you got more options, right? And so education gives you options, right? It does. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. you want to, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic message. And it's one that I, I sometimes maybe I preach on this show, but it's, uh, you know, just in, 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 I don't know. I, 
it sounds like you've, you know, you, you've had a lot of support in your life. And I, but I do think that there's a lot of people that don't have the support, um, that have a lot of naysayers, even people that they love, you know, and say, Hey, what are you doing this for? You know, it's like, it's like being an entrepreneur, starting your own company, which is very, very difficult. Not starting a company is easy, but <laughs> getting it to work is a whole different thing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it and it's a lot easier, especially if you have a family um, and you, you're trying to you know, sur- survive, but you have your own dreams of saying, this is something that I feel compelled to do. Um, but you may have a significant other or a family member or just people around you, friends and saying, Hey man, you know, what are you doing? You're messing up here. Just go get a nine to five job or just, you know, whatever that is. Um, and it's easy to say, okay, yeah, that is easier. If I go get a nine to five job, I'll get a steady paycheck. I could, you know, I have responsibilities. Um, but to have that perseverance say, no, you know what? I got it. I, I, for whatever reason. I have to stay on this. On this. Yeah, path. yeah. You'll die inside. You're, and you will. An animal, you know, the entrepreneur, the dreamer, maybe ten percent of the population, and um, it's just a different animal. And so, a dreamer will never be understood by a non-dreamer. So, don't waste time trying to explain your point of view because they they think you're from out of space. <laughs> yeah, you're a maniac. All, yeah. yeah, all you care about is uh, all they care about is security, right? And and, and what's on yeah. TV every night of the. Uh, week not just friday nights and so yeah. uh, my dad he said you know associate with you know with the winners but disassociate from the naysayers the small thinkers right because they will take you down right yeah no matter how talented you are if you hang around a bunch of uh, you know uh, small-minded whiners uh, they'll pull you down because they feel mm-hmm. that your success makes them look bad <laughs> yeah, they want you to keep you at your level. Yeah. yeah, you go hang out with winners. They'll open up doors for you. They'll hook you up with people. You know, the uh, it's a totally different mindset. And, and they're um, uh, successful people. They think big. They're always focusing on the dream. They're not focusing on the obstacles. There's always going to be obstacles, but you know, focus on the dream because the dream gives you strength and power, right? And fires you up. And, and they ask different questions like, um, "Why not me? Why not now?" Why not, right? Man, you start asking yourself those questions. That gets your subconscious mind thinking about the possibilities. You wake up in the middle of the night with these great ideas, you know, and yep. and, and it does. I just give you a, an example. Uh, it just happened to me this a couple of months ago. <clears throat> all of my books, my my first, uh, all of my books were how-to books, right? They're, they're, they're nonfiction. I never wrote fiction. I read a lot of it, but I don't. I never wrote it. I had no idea how to do it. And then I did this TED Talk in March. It's called, and if you want to watch the TED Talk, it's follow the leader, follow leader, tedtalk.com. Okay, that'll send you to my talk. And it's about how this hard-headed guy who wouldn't listen to coach, resisted listening to coach for three Olympics, finally got his head straight and was able to do some really cool things in the fourth Olympics. And so um, so I did this TED Talk and in March, okay, just a few months ago, and it's getting a bunch of views, and I'm getting, you know, started getting emails and letters and people. It was striking a chord with people, mm-hmm. and um, and so I thought, hmm, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there's an idea that's got legs, right? Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's book worthy, right? And so, uh, so I thought, you know, this would be good for one of these parable books, right? Like, and so. I called a, a friend of mine who's, who's written some and, you know, done really well. 
And uh, he said, um, I said, I have no clue how to do it. You want to partner up with me? You know, we'll do it together. This man, I'd love to, but I, I got a full-time job. This guy's the, the, the head of leadership at Chick-fil-A. He's been with Chick-fil-A for 40 years. And he's written, uh, his, my favorite book of his is called The Heart of Leadership. He, the Heart of Leadership. Wonderful little parable book. And I said, man, can we do it together? He goes, no, no, I don't have time. But call me and, you know, he gave me a date, like two weeks out. I got 45 minutes. I'll walk you through it. Right. I said, okay, great. So in the interim, instead of waiting for this call, I, lo I looked at the call as this is number one, I got to impress him. Right. And number two, I got to do my due diligence. So I went out and bought, I already had some, but I, I went to the half price bookstore and I bought a bunch of these little parable books and I just started reading them all. I mean, like boom, blowing through them, trying to look for similarities and patterns and stuff like that. And then the night before, the night before our scheduled call, I wake up in the middle of the night and boom, I had the plot all figured out. It was great because my subconscious mind had been working on it. It's working. I was yep. so focused on that, right? And uh, <clears throat> I didn't know my subconscious mind was percolating, right? <laughs> and it was. And so I wake up and I'm, boom, yeah, I got it. This is perfect. But I still don't know how to write how to write fiction. And then I got an idea. I'll just put all my friends in it. I know how they talk, right? And I'll just put all these real live friends and throw them into this, uh, this uh, fictional story. And uh, it's coming out. I mean, any day now, I'm going to get 2,500 copies of this book. It's called The Shortcut, right? And it's the short oh there it is yeah fastest way to reach your goals which is you know follow a leader basically right so it's a story about a um, 27 year old uh, um, uh, executive right young executive who's you know he's got two MBAs he's he looks great on paper but he's a hardhead like Ruben right <laughs> and and he's on the verge of losing his job and his boss sends him to this cafe, Cafe Olympia. He says, why don't you go there? Maybe you'll find the, the you know, the uh, the answers there. And he goes and he, he starts meeting all these mentors that teach him how to, you know, how to let go, right? How to follow a leader and how to be successful. And he turns his whole world around just by changing that. And I'll tell you, I've probably read this. 50 times at least okay yeah. i read it yesterday and i read it the day before i love it okay and so <laughs> i've had people that have read all my books and said this that's your best one yet man okay but i'll get a copy of another it. fiction book but I, right. I, that, that's what you do guys you you throw yourself you know you jump and the net will appear and you throw yourself 100 percent into whatever that dream is and your your subconscious mind will be working on it 24 7. And then it's, it's, yeah, yeah, the truth. I mean, that's such the truth because, and when you jump in, listen, it's like jumping into a black hole because <sighs> you don't know, you don't know where the bottom is. You don't know what's going on. You're just lost in the dark saying, okay, I have a dream. And you know, you hear some very successful people that have it all planned out. Well, I don't know about anybody else, but my plans never work the way they're supposed to work. <laughs> you know, that I have dreamt them, but it's always kind of moving forward. And, you know, you hit the failures, you hit the things that didn't work, you pivot a little bit, you make some changes, try again, missed the mark. So you make a little changes, dial in uh, this, dial in that, and then boom. And hopefully, you know, eventually, yeah. if you have enough faith and you don't give up it, it, before that quote unquote success happens, you'll get there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Planning is even though nine times out of 10, the plans don't work. 
Okay, and, I, and that's something I've taught the kids since they were little, right? I said, look, plan A, great, okay, but you better have a plan B or a plan C or plan D. And then you go, when you get through the alphabet, you go to double A, double B, double C. Okay? But what, it's our hidden numbers and yeah. yeah. So why plan? <laughs> well, planning gets you to think, gets you to think, right, about, uh, about, you know, how I might do it, right? Who I might have to call in for help. And it, it, there's definitely a value to it because if you don't plan, you know, you're really going to be lost. You're just, a, you're just wandering aimlessly. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have some kind of plan. And again, it's not, I, and some people it seems to work for, uh, I, I plan everything never, never comes out exactly the way I envisioned it. But again, it just, it moved me towards that goal and you say, okay, let's, let's, let's reevaluate and, and go again. Um, it, which is, it's, it's, it's tough, but you you were saying something about, you know, the people that aren't entrepreneurs or aren't dreamers. Um, cause it doesn't necessarily have to be business oriented. You could be an artist and say, you know, this is being a, a an artist is very difficult and just saying, okay, this is what I love to do. Just continue on doing what, you know, what it is that motivates you because, you know, first, and then we have the worker bees. We need the worker bees, right? The people that are love to clock in at, you know, eight hey, 30 or nine. And oh, no, and, we need everybody. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, but I, what I don't need is for them to be laughing at my dream. <laughs> right. And no. They can't and, stop. And you're going to have it, though. That's, that's in their DNA. They're trying to warn mm -hmm. me, right? They're trying to think, no, no, don't do it. It's going to hurt. Oh, you're going to lose your safety. No, don't do it, Ruben. Don't. No, it's okay. See you. It's okay. Yeah, I can do it. <laughs> yeah. You you focus on your thing. I'll focus on mine. And, yeah. and, and it's unfortunate that we do in, in the world, there are people that will try to bring you down, but you just have to... For me, that's been one of my biggest, not issues, but it's looking at those people and saying, okay, I don't pay attention to those people, even if I love them to death. Like, they, you know, I'm, I, I just can't do what you, what you expect me to do, uh, for better or for worse. I'm not saying I'm right, but this is what I need to do uh, in my and, life. And they can create doubt. And once you start doubting yourself, man, it's downhill from there. Um, yeah, yeah. You know what? This, this book that I've that, that been working with Grayson on, um, I had the cover, right? All done, right? It's a cover of him. You know, he's reading this book and he's he's got piles of books on both sides of him, right? Because he's reading all these books, right? And uh, and I even went to Lulu and, and I just couldn't stand it. I had to see what they look like, right? So I just went and ordered a few just to see, right? And those are probably going to be here in a couple of days. And... And I even went to... I, I uploaded... I, I did all this work uploading all these files yesterday. And then last night he goes, Dad, sorry to tell you this, but that, that, the cover is just too, it's too busy, okay? And there's some things I want to change in, on the inside. I'm like, oh, okay, let's see, show me. And he showed me, and this is why we were up till midnight last night, and we came up, this is his idea, clean. See, clean. launch pad, clean, yes. right? beautiful. I thought, that's awesome, man. And uh, so... Uh, so we dumped, we took his picture with all, with, with, with all the books and we just threw it inside the book somewhere. But, but, uh, that was plan B, right. Or plan, plan B, B whatever, <laughs> right, right at the finish line, man. I was already ready to pull the trigger and get a bunch of them, um, you know, printed. And he says, no dad, wait, let's change this. And I am wow. so excited about the new look because it's so clean and beautiful and it pops. Right. And so, yep. uh, my, my, my daughter, I had a different cover for the shortcut book. And she said, no, no, you need to change the color here, you know, to match your loose suit, whatever. And when I did, it was like, whoa, you know. So 
you know, yeah. I, I've written a bunch of books, but obviously they got a better eye for covers. All right. So, so, so be open to open. let go and follow the leader, <laughs> even, if uh -huh. even if it's your kid, even if it's children. Yep. Uh, they come from, a, I mean, everybody comes from a different perspective. So no, 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 it always, it never hurts to listen to people. And sometimes you're going to throw out and say, you know, I'm not going to do that. But then other people you can look at and say, well, let's at least try this and see where it takes us. Yeah. We can always go back to what our plan was, but yeah. it never hurts to just go take a look. Yeah. Um, so I do want to, because this fascinates me, though, going back to Luge, because to me, watching, you know, you and watching these videos that I've been watching, I, 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 I can't, I mean, you're like flying down this hill and I, you said up to 90 miles an hour, which you're like, I don't know how two inches off the ground, maybe laying yeah, we're down. wearing a, a spandex suit and a helmet, but the, the helmet is just for decoration because you crack at that speed. <laughs> that ain't going to help. The helmet, you know who it makes happy? The lawyers. They're real the lawyers. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And it's got to feel like you're going like 160 because you're so close to the ground, just screaming down this, what do you call it, a chute? Or yeah, yeah, loose track. Loose track, yeah. Yeah, track. You're screaming down there. Your hair's on fire under the helmet. You're, And I have to imagine, I mean, you're holding on. To me, it's just like, okay, I'm just, I'm just holding on for dear life. I know there's more to it because I, I, I watch some of your things. Um, but you know, and I have to imagine, like, if I was doing it, I'd just be screaming one long scream for the whole minute it got me down there and, and just hope that I don't die. Um, but your, so your first time on, so when you started at 21, did you have to go to the tall track or did you start on the, on the beginner? No, track? no, no, no. Uh, they, st oh, they start everybody like on, if you go to Park City, for example, the, uh, the track there they always start you off on curve 12 and then uh you, you might be going 30 20 miles an hour 25 right and you crash 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 you know or it's you're just hitting walls you're not you're, you're not it's not responding to anything you do and and somehow but you're training your brain whenever you're doing something new riding a bike anything like that you're training your brain okay and when the brain figures it out it's it's in right and so you figure it out now, coach moves you up a couple of curves. Now you're going 30, 30 miles an hour. Oh my God, there's no time to hey, crash, 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 figure it out, move you up. You literally crash your way to the top a little bit at a time. It takes, you're pretty good. You know, you get to the top in 100 runs, maybe. But then, I mean, the first two years, I was crashing four out of five times. Okay. Oh, man. And, and then, you know, one day I started crashing three out of five. And I was like, oh, what a great day. You know, and then, you know, one out of 10. And by the end of the second year, you're crashing one out of 100. You finally figure out how to control that darn sled. Doesn't mean you're fast. You're just getting down, right? Uh, yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it takes a lifetime, okay, to, to master, really. I mean, it's, um, I'm nowhere near the, the, the top guys. I'm, I'm just not. But I'm good enough to crack into that olympic level right i get to play with the big boys and that's what i always wanted to do you know <laughs> so yeah so yeah. Uh, did um so it's just you know again fascinating because you do control it it doesn't look like y'all are doing anything when you're laying on there <laughs> yeah, yeah this thing all we do is hold on and pray right yeah, uh, yeah. the sport of luge is really good for your prayer life i tell you but but you, you hold on, you pray, and you steer a lot, you know? It's just like when you're riding a bike, you're making all these little tiny movements, you know, shifting body weight to, you're not, you know, moving the handlebars a lot. You're just kind of shifting. Same thing with the luge. You're torquing the sled. If I, if, if you're on a straightaway, 
and I push down with my with, with, with my shoulder, with my right shoulder, just push down, then that gets it to the the the, the to, it torques the sled and then it, it'll turn that direction, right? Okay. If I pull with my handle, uh, there's no moving parts, but if I pull with my handle, that just drives my shoulder down, so that's a medium steer. If I push down with my legs, which is what they, the only thing they ever talk about on TV, if I push down, man, the leg is really heavy and it's way out there. Man, that's like doing this for the car. That's for emergencies, right? That's a huge drive. And so most okay. of the time, it's little teeny tiny. Um, if I hiccup, that could be enough motion to cause you to slam against the wall and crash. I mean, oh, it's true. It's super yeah. responsive. It's it's like a, like when you're skating, you know? It's It's, it's super responsive. The uh, so is this all core? I mean, it sounds like it's all a lot, be a lot of it, not all, but important. Your head, oh, neck, your okay, head's hanging off the end of the sled, right? So, when oh, you're right, geez, it's someone like stepping on your head, you know. <laughs> oh, um, do they, do they have you do like strength exercises for your well, neck you know what, while that, you're training? Uh, playing soccer helped me there because when you're doing yeah. a header, that's strengthening the front. Uh, the uh-huh. uh, the skeleton guys are you know, they're laying on their on their chest, so they need strong back neck muscles, right? Yeah. Uh, but um, you just, it, it just, just doing the luge, right? Uh, strengthens it. Just right? over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one time, and your lower back is really important too, because at the start, you know, when you pull, uh, at the start, it's like doing a, the motion is exactly the same, like a horizontal um, deadlift, okay? You're just bending like a pretzel and then popping out and, and, and then paddling with your hands to build up speed and then you lay down. And so one time I got tested everywhere. They did like a, they had these machines where they tested all your muscles. And 95% of my muscles were normal, but my neck and my lower back were off the charts because <laughs> that's what I hear. <laughs> <in the room. laughs> that's, that's amazing. I just say I didn't know that. So do you do like, is it, do they give you a training routine or regimen for? Like lifting weights, or you know, stretching, or calisthenics, or you know, stretching cardio. Is, stretching is huge uh, because of the start. You know, you want to be able to really. Uh, so we do yoga, right? Yoga is good. Oh, good. Uh, you yep. want to open up your your hips, be able to open up your hips really, really wide, and um, and you want to have uh, good, you know, good, good flexibility because the start. You know, the further back you're able to push on the on the they call it the contraction part of the uh, of the start. You know, that if you can go an extra inch, right? Because uh, you got more speed popping out, right? Okay, so, right, right. So that's important. Um, we do, you know, sports-specific, right, uh, exercises, and but also uh, all around, too, because, you know, your whole body's taking a beating just from the G-forces. And it's, it's, it, you only take uh, – a luge run takes about a minute. Uh, when we're out training uh, – You'll do three runs, two to three runs in the morning, and that takes a couple of hours because there's you know 100 people going through and there's one sled at a time. So you take your run, you get to the bottom, you pick up walkie-talkie, talk to coach, right? And there's coaches probably in two or three spots of the track where where people are on the team are having the most challenges, and they you know they tell you what you did wrong, right? And Rube and my coach is just the Austrian guy. And uh, Ruben, you must relax, Ruben. Point your toes, put your head further back. You were so late on curve six, you must your heart off curve six. And so it's like Arnold teaching you how to lose. <laughs> and so, and so then, uh, and then you hop on this truck with your sled. They take you back to the top. You put on your parka. You got about 20 minutes before you got to get, start getting ready again. So you run down 
you know, to the part of the track where coaches are, and you'll watch a couple of guys, you know, watch a couple of the Italians or the Germans, you know, who are the best and see what kind of lines they're doing. Go, see, you started steering two feet too late. I said, coach, I was doing 90. He goes, well, you're two, two feet too late, you know, but now I'm getting a visual, right? You were here right. and, and, and they're three inches higher than you on that curve. You need to, that's a better line. And so you're trying to process that, right? And then you run back to the top and about 10 minutes before it's your, your turn to go, you, uh, do a, a bunch of mind runs, right? Visualization runs, trying to lock in the best, what you want to do, the perfect run. And you do it again, right? Two, three runs in the morning, go to lunch, back to the hotel, get some lunch, back to the track, two or three runs in the afternoon. That's it, okay? Five minutes a day of losing, okay? And you got to learn on that. And well, you supplement it with a lot of visualization. And then uh, eat dinner. And then the worst part of the day for me is videos we sit down and we watch videos of our runs and we realize how lousy we really are right and it's embarrassing it's terrible right but now you got a different visual yourself right getting more data more right more feedback and and then we'll go to the sled room which is usually you know in the hotels probably the garage somewhere really cold and you know that it's, it's a it's a work room and we're, we'll work on our sleds for 45 minutes to an hour taking out all the nicks getting it ready for tomorrow Right? Oh, you do that yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I do. Well, I'm not much of a sled mechanic. I'm not mechanically inclined. And so um, anything, if the steels got really messed up and coach needs to reshape the steels, he'll do that, right, with a file. He'll do the file work because I'm not good at that. But And he'll take it up to um, like 60 grit sandpaper. And then from 60 grit on, I can take, I'll take it to 2000, right? Uh, and, then, oh, okay. and then on Friday before the race on Saturday, we'll do on top of that, we'll do five, five, um, uh, five different uh, diamond pastes to where you can actually, get, that's like down to a micron where you can see yourself on those steels and everything counts. Okay. Nice. Uh, the only Olympic sport that's timed to the one, one thousandth of a second. And so everything counts. Your breathing counts. Uh, everything does, right? So you have to be dialed in before you. And you're, man, we're just an anal bunch of guys because uh, we because everything counts, right? And like diet. I mean, do you watch your diet beforehand to make sure you're? Do you want to be heavy? Do you want to be light? I mean, what, a, is there any benefit sword. there? Double edged sword. Okay. If you're heavy and you're good, you got all that momentum going in the right direction. Great. But you make a mistake, man. It's gonna cost you a lot hard. of time because you, right? And so um, that's it's double edged. Um, Does the, basically you want to be a good driver. You want to be a good driver. Okay. <laughs> um, I would imagine with, I mean, the, the, what'd you call them? The rail, the steel, is that what you steel, said? The runners. The, yeah. The steel, the runners they are they like, um, like skates? Uh, I mean, how sharp they're steel They're when we, when we, um, sharp steels in luge, it's about as sharp as a butter knife. Okay. It won't cut your finger. All right. It won't cut your shirt, but that's still yeah. pretty sharp. That's pretty sharp. I mean, that will put a, that, that's got decent traction, right? And so let's say that you're at a, uh, and, and the, the steels are about four feet long, but they're arched, right? It's like the bottom of a, of a, just like the bottom of a skate. You know, it's arched. It's not straight, right? And so yeah. there's only about four inches that are touching the ice. You're basically laying on a skate. And, um, that's and yeah, and you want your, uh, center of gravity towards the back of the sled okay you just do it okay so if you put a dowel under the sled 
and right in the middle of it. And, uh, you know, you'll know you'll fall one way or the other. And so uh, we'll do things to, you know, to, to make sure that the center of gravity is on the back. It'll be stable. It goes straight if you, if you do that. If the center of gravity is towards the front, then it's all out of whack. Okay. So think about this. You're on a straightaway. You're a beginner. You're on a straightaway. You're going 60, 70, 80 miles an hour. You hit a wall. What do you want to do? You want to look, right? So you lift your head to look because the fear. And what does that do? That just drives your center of gravity forward. Now you start ping-ponging back and forth. And you can't even stop it, right? So anything that's be a, a knee-jerk natural reaction will get you into trouble. That's why we get so many injuries. You need to fight every reaction, it's natural reaction. That, that's a mess. Yeah, but that that's... works for me, right? Because I'm right because you're the bulldog. Everybody you, else yeah. quit. <laughs> <laughs> so do hard um, things. If you do hard things, yeah. Yes. If you know, there's less competition there. Yes, most people quit. Yeah. Did you have any any, any times where you thought you were just done? You decided, you know, this isn't for me, and maybe coach talked you back into it, or did you never have those thoughts? No, no, I. Uh... My worst crash was in St. Moritz, Switzerland. And this is about a year and a half before the Salt Lake City Olympics. And um, just had a really bad crash, broke my foot, broke my hand, and, and totaled my sled, right? And I got, I had a pity party. For me, my worst pity party is three days, right? After three days, I, I snap out of it. But I only had gone three days, handful of times in my life and anything, right? Um... It wasn't until halfway over the Atlantic flying back home because I thought, man, I can't afford to buy another sled. I got the Olympics coming up. I'm all hurt. I mean, I started feeling sorry for myself, right? Victim instead of victor, right? <laughs> and uh, right. halfway over the Atlantic, I got my head straight. I realized, hey, I've broken bones before, right? You wear a cast for six weeks and take off the cast. It's ready to go. So that's not a problem. But in the sled, hey, maybe I can't afford another sled, but maybe I can borrow a sled, right? And so I started making a list. I'm on the plane. Now I'm excited. I'm making a list of all my luge buddies I'm going to call as soon as I land, see if they have an extra sled. And Adam Cook from New Zealand luge team, he lent me his sled. He says, but if you break wow. it, you don't fix it. You buy me a new one. Okay, that's the deal. We're done, man. But Adam's shorter than me. So the sled is smaller, right? Uh, oh. It doesn't really fit me well. But, hey, better than sliding on my rear end, right? You do what you can with what you got, okay? And so I qualified for Salt Lake on Adam's sled. And, and the one that I'm wearing right there, that's from the Salt Lake City Olympics. That's that's Adam's sled. And so oh. do what you can with what you got. Don't make any excuses. Go for it. Yeah, it's right? great message. Yeah, great message. Oh, yeah, so after uh, Alberville, I, I did Calgary, and then I did Alberville. Calgary, 88. Alberville, France, 92. And then that was eight years straight luge. I was pretty burned out by then. I missed seven yeah. Christmases with my family in a row, right? During those eight years. Because you can't, mm -hmm. you know, halfway around the world, you have to come home for Christmas and yeah, I couldn't afford it. And so after Al Alberville, I was done. I just wanted to do different things. And I didn't slide for six years. And my coach, the big Austrian guy, calls me out of the blue and says, uh, you know, U.S. next Olympics, Salt Lake City, you know, you uh, U.S. Olympic spirit's the best. You must go, you regret it if you don't. Ah, oh, coach, I'm done. Thanks, but no thanks. I hang up. And he keeps calling back because he's a winner, right? He won't take no for an answer. And finally he says, okay, look, I got a deal for you. It's like he totally lost his accent. <laughs> I got a deal for you. I got a camp coming up in Calgary. You get yourself over there. I'll take care of room, board, track fees. I mean, those those runs that we take every day, they're like 40, 50 bucks a, a pop. And we're paying for it. 
Okay, it's expensive, uh, and you're yeah, gone. Yeah. Meanwhile, all the bills are mounting at home, right? Uh, and so he said, "I'll take care of everything for two weeks, and then after two weeks, you tell me if you want back or not." And coach, he never even bought me a beer. I mean, how, how can an Austrian or a German never buy you a beer? I mean, that's not seriously. Right. Come right. on now, Jeez. right? No, never even <laughs> bought me a beer. Here he's offered me thousand dollars of free training. I thought, man. So I said on the spot, I said, "Okay, I got a deal for you, coach." I got a brother, my younger brother. He's seen me go to the Olympics twice. I see the look in his eyes. If that deal goes for him too, hey, we got five years to Salt Lake. Maybe he can learn the sport. Maybe he can crack it to the top 50. Maybe he can make it to the Olympics. Well, how old is he? He's 30 years old. 30 years old? Are you crazy? <laughs> coach started when he was five, okay? I mean, our coach was th three-time world champion. I mean, this guy's like, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like yeah. Michael Jordan teaching you how to shoot. Hoops, right? Hoops at my age, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, oh, you got to see this guy coach. He's an incredible athlete. And he's not, okay? I mean, Marcelo, he's an architect. You know, he goes and, you know, but he's mentally tough. That's why I knew he could do it. All right, bring him along. Blah, hangs up on me. I go to Marcelo. He doesn't even know I'm negotiating for him because it was just on the spot. And I tell him, look, man, free, you know, worst case scenario, you got a free two-week vacation in Canada, right? <laughs> he goes, yeah, I might die on your vacation, right, Ruben? He goes, yeah, you might. But best case scenario, you could be in the Olympics. Think about that. You'd be the Olympic architect. He started smiling. You know, hmm. and so he went. First day over there, I caught the dream again. I was ready to go, right? I was actually sliding better. My first four runs after a six-year break, personal bests. Because I, really? Yeah, I've been reading all those personal development books and, and immersed in that stuff. And I told Coach, I can't believe it, man. I'm, I can't believe I'm, I'm better. He goes, it's because all those books. You know, it's like I always told you. You know, you're six inches away from success. He goes, yeah, you always say that. I don't even know what that means. He goes, six inches is distance between your ears, okay? You've been feeding good stuff. You're stronger mentally. That's why. You know, you don't get That's scared and make a dumb mistake. And Marcelo, he caught the dream. And, did he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. And uh, he caught the dream. And we came back, started, you know, working out like an animal, you know. And uh, he got himself into shape. Broke bones like everybody does. He kept coming back because we're all bulldogs. And with one race to go, I was in. I was already in, uh, qualified Salt Lake. Marcelo, he just didn't have a point. And on the last okay. race of the season, he pulls one out of the bag, gets all these World Cup points, bumps him up to 49th in the world, and got the go. We made Olympics. Did he really? Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm a 30-year-old architect. I made it to the Olympics. Imagine what you can do, right? So uh, don't listen to those naysayers. Just listen to your heart. Surround yourself with yeah. winners will you know keep fire on that and, and and help you believe and work your tail off right <laughs> and then people start yeah. calling you lucky <laughs> they, they do they overnight success oh yeah. look yeah. all right 20 years yeah. man yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is that's how long it is it, 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 it does it does i mean i say if you're if you're young enough and if you're smart enough and you know anybody and i wasn't smart enough in tw at my in my 20s but if you know, if you are one of those people that can really listen to somebody like you to say, you know, if you want to be in business or really whatever you want to do, if you can give up that 10 years, that, you know, those 20s and really focus on what you're doing, because it's going to take minimum 10 years. Then by the time you're 30, you know, you could whatever that dream is, maybe it's uh, becoming a reality and then you can nurture that dream through the rest of your life because it never stops. Your dreams never stop. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, once you hit the one when you were. 15 it's like yeah okay how can we make that even better yeah yeah i um sometimes when i'm doing a q a after a corporate gig and i used to sell copiers in, in in houston and so 
whenever you tell somebody that you sold copiers, they always need to say the same thing. Oh, I heard that's hard, right? That's the impression. And I said, yeah, I guess it is. And so I sold copiers and, um, and so I do lots of sales kickoffs, right? But I, but I tell, you know, when the VP of sales books me to speak for their people, I tell them, look, I'm not going to talk about sales techniques or closes or stuff like that. Okay. I'm going to talk about attitude, stick to itness, growing a, a backbone, all the stuff that'll make your guys better using your system. And they actually like that because they don't want to have to change your system. Right. And, and my goal is to take their excuses away. I want them walking out thinking, man, if that guy can go to the Olympics, we can do anything. And they start calling their chicken list, right? Those people are going to call them when they're successful, <laughs> but you got to call them to be successful. Right. But, but, but they do that. And so, so, um, Sometimes uh, after a Q&A, somebody will say, well, what about work-life balance? And I start laughing. I said, man, no such thing, okay? I mean, if, you're go if, if you want to reach a higher level, then you got to get yourself unbalanced. You got to stop watching TV. Stop, you know, you got to focus more on that. And if you want to do it quick, you got to get even more unbalanced. And then mm -hmm. if, you get, if you ever get to the point where you feel comfortable, okay, now you can have your little work-life balance. But some people are just not like with me. I started my speaking business right after the Salt Lake City Olympics, 2002. So I've been at it for 20 years. So I guess this is my year to be successful. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I got till 30, December 31st. Something's going to happen. All right, you got <laughs> but, no, time. Yeah. But anyways, um, uh, yeah, you you. It took me six years. I should say, let me say it a different way. After six years, business was good. You know, I had my systems in place. It was, I had momentum and I got bored, right? I mean, I got bored because there was no struggle. And so I thought, you know what? I need, I need to do something. And no one's ever done four Olympics in four different decades, right? And I'd be, you know, that'd be cool. And so I started training for Vancouver and uh, back in Salt Lake. I was 39 when I did Salt Lake City. As soon as I wow. walked into the, um, and my last one had been 10 years before, I walk into the Olympic Village, I felt just like a dad feels to visit his kids in college, right? Everybody's in their 20s, I'm 39, and everybody's asking me, what are you coaching? I says, no, I'm an athlete. Then look at me, then they look at me up and down, and they says, no, come on, what are you coaching? <laughs> they didn't even believe me, right? <laughs> in Vancouver, I was 47, they thought I was coach's dad, okay? And by then, all the coaches, they're on my side. They're saying, come on, do it for the old guys. <laughs> <laughs> so who's to say? 47. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. But, in, 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 you know, the, the, the other great message here is you're never too old, you know, oh. you, you, because society will say, well, you got to do this young. But mate, you, you're, all of a sudden you're 40. Ah, you just got to stick with what you're going to do. You know, you're already in, you know, whatever it is you're doing. Well, if you have a dream, listen, we're here for such a short period of time. Um, got to spend this time going after your dreams, whether, you know, don't forget about whether it happens. We talked about that. Don't follow the shiny objects, but say, you know what, even, even if you're comfortable in your life, you have a, you know, got the family, you, but if you're, cause you're going to die. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I, I, and, and nobody likes to talk about it, but it's the truth. And one of the things that I love to read, uh, and you'll find them on the internet and it doesn't matter if they're actual fact or not, but. I, I like to read comments of people that are leaving this world. It's one mm. of the things that I find so powerful and what their regrets. What, what do you look for that? What do you um, You know, I have this one. I'll send it to you. Yeah, please. There's one that I, I have on my phone that I keep in my, um, 
in my notes and I read it yeah. once or twice a month. Usually I'm crying by the end of it. Uh, <laughs> it's by a girl named uh, uh, Holly Baker. Um, again, I, I, I don't know if it was real or if it's real or not, you know, but it doesn't really matter. It's yeah. the message. Yeah. Um, and it, she's young. Uh, I think she was 27 years old, dying of cancer. Mm. And she goes through this whole, um, it's maybe, you know, 10 paragraphs of, you know, basically like, don't worry about everybody else, you know, do the things, dance, laugh, sing, um, you know, wake up in the morning, you know, enjoy these things that you have because yeah. you never know when that last day is. And yeah. a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but it's the reality, reality. And, you know, I joke and it's not a joke. Make it an adventure. What's that? You only live once, might as well make an adventure, right? Make it an adventure. Be, yeah. be crazy and be silly and do the things that, that other people might say, well, that's embarrassing or um, just because it's fun, you know? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, when I was in high school, I, I used to think when I'm a grandpa, I'm probably the only high school nerd that thought this way, okay? But I thought when I'm a grandpa, I want to have so many cool adventures and stories that all the grandkids are going to be around me because, you know, I'm yeah. the cool grandpa, right? Hey, the so, cool grandpa. And so, um, yeah. So, and it's funny, I just turned 60, and whenever, you know, the older I get, the less I care what people think, right? <laughs> it's Well, that's true, too. You know, when you're a kid, like my son, and well, your son's 17, my son's 15. Yeah. Um, you know, at 15 years old, what people think is so important. Yeah. You know, in fitting in, finding out where you are, where you fit in in this life, and, you know, and getting that friend group, and that's all very important. But that phase, and um, I was talking to a good friend of mine who, you know, I, I doubt you ever come out this way, but uh, we had a show not too long ago, a uh, guy named Kenny Lehman, uh, and he's an Ironman, and he's competed in six Ironmen, right? And it, it, which is now he wants me to do an Ironman. I'm like, come on, I, I don't. That's too <laughs> but, <short>. uh, <laughs> right. But he didn't start till he was, I think, like 40 wow. when he did his first one, right around there. And uh, it's a similar message, and you hear that message a lot where, it's never too late to follow those dreams. Yeah. Um, and you just, you know, it's it's jumping in the hole and, and, and trying to put a plan together and realize that you, you, you're going to find your way eventually. Um, but don't be scared. You know, too many people go through this life just worried, uh, worried about their, you know, listen, if you're alive, don't be worried. You know, <laughs> uh, you're here. Uh, and, and don't worry about what other people are say about you behind your back or think about you or the, you know, what's going on or, you know, they all have their problems and for, forget that and yeah. just do what, what you feel is necessary for you in your life. Yeah. yeah uh, amen. Amen, amen, man. Yeah. Um, I know you, uh, you, you know, you've got, you're extremely busy. I want to ask you real quick though, this goes back to what we were talking about. Um, and it, and it kind of ties into other people um, creating your destiny when you're coming down that, you know, that shoot or that, you know, that slide, uh, I, w I would imagine, um, we were talking about the, the, the steel, as you said, and being sharp as a butter knife, that that's creating, I would have to think that that's creating grooves in the, in the ice. Yeah. So, you know, if you're the first one to go, you have a pretty clean shoot, but if you're the 10th one in line, okay. I don't know that maybe they clean it every time. Like the, they have some they kind of Zamboni or something. A race, so this, there's not a Zamboni for a loose track. <laughs> right, right, right. So there's, okay. there's faucets all the way down and, and they're spritzing it, right? They're spraying it with water. And then they have a whole team of, of track workers that are filling in holes, patching, 
you know, uh, it's, it's a whole crew. And if somebody breaks the track record, man, they celebrate as much as the, as the, as the athletes, because it was because of them, their preparation of the track, right? That was amazing. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, so they're seated groups, right? So like the, um, I, I might, might have the numbers off here, but they look at last year's results, World Cup results. Top 10 guys, they're group A, okay? And then from number 11 to, say, number uh, 20, that's group B, all right? And from 21 all the way down, that's group C, okay? So the track, let's say the race is on Saturday. Most guys, they train on, they, they race on Saturday. It's usually two runs for a, a World Cup race and uh, four runs at the Olympics, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. And it's cumulative time, okay? So, uh you got to be consistently good, right? Okay, you can't right. Just be good. Not just one good run. No. And so oh, okay. it's funny. When I first had my, after about two years of losing, I had my first clean run. That means uh, you don't need, didn't even brush against the walls, right? So I was, it's a huge milestone because it means you're controlling it right now. And yeah. I went to coach. And I was so excited. Coach, I had a clean run. He didn't even smile. He says, Coach, you didn't hear me. I had a clean run. That's good, right? And he goes, Good, but. Good is not good enough. You must be consistently good. Olympics, four runs. Oh, come on, coach. Let's have a beer. You give me four, we have a beer. Still haven't gotten my beer. So, <laughs> so, so, um, so the, the Friday night before the race, they have a drawing, right? So they got a, a, a hat with the top 10 uh, guys as the group A, all right, the, the A-seated group. They start pulling out. Okay, uh, you know, Hans... Schnackel, right? Because it's always some German, right? Is uh, uh, number one, right? So he's number one, you know, and and so on. And then they put those away. So now they got the top ten. And now they go to the group B, and they go to group C, which is all you know. That's where I am. I'm group C, uh, kind of like in school. I was in group C on a good day. I was on group C. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it works. And um, and then uh, the second run, they flip. They have a they, they flip the order, but it's always. Um, where the top 10 are always going to go first, right? First, okay. So, so yep. like the guy that went in 10th place, right? From now going A, first. Now he's going to be number one, right? So gotcha. it goes 10, yep. 9, 8, all the way to one. And then it goes to, to number 20 down to 11. Does that make sense? And just yep, to make it a absolutely. Bit yeah. Yeah. So they, you said they, they spritz it every five. Usually, yeah. Is that, and then yeah, it's so. snowing, uh, you know, they got, they're, they're constantly, you know, trying to, brush it off right because snow really slows you down and so um, i bet yeah uh at the beginning i talked earlier a little bit about sharp steels sharp steels give you traction but they're slow right because they're digging into the ice and mm -hmm. so um at the beginning of the season we start off with real sharp steels and then we're rounding them off every day a little bit more and more and more so we start crashing and then we back it off a bit and so so that's how you do it you're oh, kind of pushing, okay slowly working yourself to the to the edge right and uh, yep. if you're at the Olympics uh, in Vancouver, something weird happened that um, threw me off, threw my whole um, uh, starting, um, uh, what do they call it, routine off. And my first two runs were awful. I mean, I was just sliding. Uh, I, I, I was, it was almost like I, I was out of control, right? And one of the coaches said, what, man, are your steals too round, Ruben? I was no, man, they're sharp. I don't know what the deal is. And then we figured out what it was. It was here. My mind was messed was up, it? right? But, um, but anyways, but that's the first thing. You know, if you're sliding too much, if you're skidding, man, you, you need more traction. 
Okay. Uh, don't think about I got to have round steels. Uh, you, you sharpen them because it's more important to have a good line. You know, we're not you're not losing and time. end up in the wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's uh, well, it's it's amazing. And I, I, you know, what, if anybody's never watched, I mean, I, I think everybody's seen somebody lose, but watch some of these videos. It's you know, when you think about being going ninety miles an hour, laying down on a sheet of ice on this little skate sled thing. I just, I can't imagine. I mean, it sounds like it's a blast, but I think <laughs> until you get on it, then you're like, holy, yeah, there you go. What am I, I doing? I, I <laughs> it for 25 years. I hated it. Okay. It, it, my, yeah. it was my vehicle. The luge was the vehicle. The Olympics is the dream. You know, uh, I wasn't going to do it playing ping pong. So the ping pong paddle right. was not a good vehicle for me or the soccer ball, but the luge that gave me a shot. And yeah. It wasn't yeah, until yeah. I talked to that coach, um, that, he said, man, I can't believe you're still scared after 25 years. He's a different coach. He knows how the mind works. And he mm -hmm. said, uh, what's going on in your head when you're sliding? I said, man, as I see those walls going faster and faster, I get tighter and tighter. I can't believe I didn't even steer at the bottom of the track. By then, I'm stiff like a board. He says, man, luge is not about speed, okay? It's about who has the best time. They could clock you. And this happened a lot, actually, at the Beijing Olympics. Uh, because they had a couple of little curves near the bottom that were just throwing everybody off. And yeah. um, remember that? So I, I, I think I just watched it. Yeah, yeah I was just and, watching it last night. Yeah, if you listen to this, just uh, just Google, uh, you know, go to YouTube and look up, uh, you know, Beijing 2022 Olympic Luge, okay? And you'll see, I mean, look at the women's race. The three or four of the top women, top 10 women crash, which is unheard of, right? And so coach said they could clock you at the fastest speed, but if you crash at the bottom, you lost the race. Lost, you can yep. see it in Beijing, okay? And he says, don't look at the walls. They're just scaring you. Put on blinders. Pretend you got blinders like a horse. Focus on what you need to do on a spot 30 feet in front of you. And think about what you need to do on every section or every curve to ensure you'll have the best time, okay? If you change your focus, the fear will disappear. Now, I was focusing mm -hmm. on the circumstances instead of focusing on what I needed to do. So what you need to you're, do. You're in sales. Don't focus on the news. Don't watch the news. Okay. Don't listen. The news, they make money two ways by making you scared and making you mad, neither of which is good yep. for business. Okay. Nope. So don't look at that because that bad economy is bad for everybody. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you just let your competition buy your competition USA Today subscription for life. Okay. Take them down. Right. But, uh, but you don't watch it. Your focus is what do I need to do in the next 15 minutes to move my business forward? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, you know, hey, how you doing call, right? Build a relationship. You're not even talking business. Maybe it's, you know, uh, how can I serve you or whatever, right? Hey, I got to, maybe it's a, uh, hey, I just found somebody that that, that might be a good, uh, a good prospect for what you sell, right? And so what can you do in the next 15 minutes? Just like what, you know, what, what, what do you, what you got to, yeah. yep, focus on it right now and, and be, and another thing just to go on my little, you know, don't focus on the money. But and also focus on being honest and transparent, because I do believe that honesty, especially in today's world, everybody can smell a rat, you know, and yeah, you you might be able to get the sale One through time. some BS, but no. yeah, you, you, the it's long term, term, it's long you got to be. Yeah, yeah you got to be transparent and uh, just authentic yeah. um, in who you are. I got a bunch of topics in my speaking uh, you know, I speak, I got about five hours worth of stories that illustrate different topics, right? But there's a couple of topics, popular topics that I don't, I don't do. I, I'm not excited about them, okay? Uh, diversity. 
Not for me, right. okay? It's just not for me. But I got a friend who's a great diversity guy, right? And so whenever they call me for diversity, they say, hey, talk, talk to John. Okay, John Register, he's awesome at it, okay? Me, save me for when it's leadership or, or sales or motivation or stuff like that, but John Register. So I give him the business. Why? Because if I do, if I'm not a good fit, I just go for that gig, you know, for that big paycheck. Get the paycheck. Yep. Yeah, but I'm going to get bad reviews, you know, and the, yep. there might be people in the audience who say, yeah, that, this guy's not good. Right. And there's another mm -hmm. topic that I don't do. I forget which one it is because I don't do it. Well, why even think about it? Why even think about it? Right. Why let it cloud? So cloud. for the, yeah. um, uh, you want to look for your dream clients, right? One of the best ways to move forward in business, and I talk about it in this book, in the shortcut, okay? Um, one, of his, one of the mentors tells Johnny, Johnny Valentine, Johnny Valentine's that fathead kid that needs to grow up and listen, you know, follow the leader. And uh, one of his, one, one of his uh, mentors tells him, look, don't go looking for any client. Look for the clients who are the best fit to you, the ones that will become mm -hmm your raving fans because you're such a great fit. And so the best way to uh, to grow your business is go through your client list and, and be very selective. Look for the ones who are, who are your fans, the ones who, who, who you're a really good fit and call them and tell them, hey, I need some help. You know, uh, do you know anybody, right? Any other organizations or companies that would benefit uh, from, from what I do? And they want to help you because they're your friends. Oh, is there anything else yeah. I can do for you? Right? Just asking those questions, and then and you'll be getting other. See, the goal is to get new, more and more and more dream clients, and get rid. You know, start firing your lousy clients. Right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And you pick them up on the, especially when you're starting. You know, because that survival time is tough. And yeah. you know, I went through it, and it's like I don't care if I'm making a penny. I've got kids. I've got yeah. you know, I got to put food on the table. Uh, but you, you do accumulate them. And then again, hopefully, you know, it goes back to that 10 years or, you know, uh, some people I've heard of overnight successes. I mean, I've heard that, but I've never met anybody. It's no, like the no, lottery, right? Never met anybody. That, I, that, think it's that, a, I think it's a myth. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, and 10 years later, you can now start being selective and say, OK, now I I've got the structure. Let me just build this as, as big you know as what I you're can. Good at, right. You know what your strengths are. So, uh, yeah, and you've hit those failures and kept moving, you know, because failing's part of it all. You know, okay. well, you know, that crashing, breaking some bones. But when you fail, uh, it, don't waste the failure. Look for the lesson, right? Oh, there's always a lesson. It's the biggest lesson. fail, okay? But don't waste it. If you don't find that lesson, then you wasted it, okay? <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. That's where you learn the most is in the failures. Successes are great. It's easy. You know, when you got a success, you go, oh, if I could just duplicate this, it's the failures that you really got to look at. And they're the hardest. Nobody likes it, but it's the most important yeah. aspect of, of life, really. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's exercise, right? That's where you're going to get the most benefit. You know, yeah. if you're lifting weights, it's, you know, to failure. That's when you get the biggest benefit. Right. Um, you know, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> but um, how? so you've been talking about your book. What's the, where do people go? Can they buy it in a bookstore? Do they need to go online or all your books? I mean, you have. Yeah, go to Amazon. Yeah, just uh, that's the best thing. Uh, unless you want to okay. buy a bunch in bulk for for your people, then just go to my website and then we can cut a deal. I'll give you a special okay. deal just for you. But um, <laughs> my my website is the Luge Man. Okay, the Ice Man was taken. All right, it would have been so much easier. Oh, the man. Luge Man. So it's T H E L U G E M A N dot com. 
And uh, okay. believe it or not. Find you online? Yeah, believe me. And so um, believe it or not, about every two or three years, I'll get a call. And somebody wants specialty lug nuts. He goes, you're the lug man, right? He goes, no, 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 I don't do lug nuts. Maybe, maybe I should diversify. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. It's crazy. I'm like the walking danger field of the Olympics, man. No, no respect. <laughs> No respect. Jeez. <laughs> oh, no, that's too funny. Uh, so they find you at thelugeman.com. Yep. Uh, what about the social media? Do you do any social that they can find yeah, you I'm on, on as well? Yeah, I'm on a lot and Facebook. And it's just the, yeah, just look me up. Lugeman, the Lugeman Olympic, Ruben Gonzalez. You know, you'll find me. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you. You can put you, them on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll link them on uh, when we, we'll, this will probably come out next week. So and let me we'll, know we'll, we'll talk in the minute. What's that? Let me know so I can spread the word, right? Yes, yes, yeah. We'll be in contact. I'll let you know, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk then, and, and make sure all the links are on there. And uh, it, it's it's been a blast. I, re- I really appreciate you spending your time coming on the show, and uh, it's been great getting to know you. And, and, and hopefully, I'll get to meet you in person, yeah, Pittsburgh, uh, right? sooner rather than later. You're Pittsburgh, yeah, awesome, yeah, awesome. Uh, you ever yeah, come out yeah. this way? Well, if I get a gig, yeah, I uh, I love going to the strip. <laughs> Man, hitting those Italian markets, uh, my gosh. It's, it's, it's great. Awesome. And I'll buy you a beer if you come out here. Woo! Listen, I'm not going to be like your coach. I'll buy you a beer. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> hey, say hello to your dad and and thanks, thank him again for that testimonial. I mean, that's uh, – and, uh, well, I watched the video of your dad doing that, that theater play that he did, that one-man play. It's that is so cool. Phenomenal, right? Yeah, does he still it do is it? It's so good. Uh, yes, he is. Um, he's doing one really soon. I don't know the dates. And so he's traveling now with it. his first few he did here in Pittsburgh and they were a smash. Uh, and then he rebuilt the set to be able to travel. So he's been going to different points around the country and he'll do it a few times a year. Usually, uh, um, go in I would for a day to or two and brain on that. Cause, uh, I, I, it seems like such a cool thing to do i would love to do something like that with my yeah family. and your stories are so similar in in the 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 the, the, the courage and the perseverance and you know being the too small too, too slow yeah. but being able to mine's more uh, of a comedy but his his is very hard-hitting and and serious yeah but um he's done a fantastic job if you have a video and i won't i won't put it out if you don't you know if it's a no-no but just for me of the whole play i would love to watch it Oh yeah, I'm sure we you can get one. you one. Uh, yeah, I would, just a link, you know. I don't need, you know, don't send it to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know he had it on. He, there, there's a streaming service <laughs> that was. I want to say it was like BroadwayOnDemand.com. I'm, really? I, I'm making. Yeah, that you can up. send it. Yeah, that'd be great. And I'll send Yeah, you, we'll uh, get you. I don't, you said something earlier that made me think. Um, Seinfeld has like a really funny one minute bit about the luge, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says, why do they call it the luge? It should be the involuntary luge, right? Because you can put somebody on the sled probably just as fast, you know, ah, <laughs> screaming the whole way. <laughs> I'll send you a link to that. It's a hoot. Yeah, that'd be great. That's uh, awesome. Um, but hey, man, I appreciate you coming on. Really nice to meet you and hopefully we'll see you soon. Uh, everybody out there, go check out thelugeman.com. His story is fantastic. Get get to buy the books, do the whole thing. Um, but uh, uh, we'll talk soon. And hey, everybody, uh, have fun out there. We'll talk to you later. Take care.